Bessie's Troubles at Home by Elizabeth Gaskell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. First published in the Sunday School Penny Magazine, January 1852. Well, mother, I've got you a Southport ticket, said Bessie Lee, as she burst into a room where a pale, sick woman lay dressed on the outside of a bed. "'Aren't you glad?' asked she, as her mother moved uneasily, but did not speak. "'Yes, dear, I'm very thankful to you, but your sudden coming in has made me heart flutter so I'm ready to choke.' Poor Bessie's eyes filled with tears, but it must be owned they were tears half of anger. She had taken such pains, ever since the doctor said that Southport was the only thing for her mother to get her an order from some subscriber to the charity and she had rushed to her in the full glow of success and now her mother seemed more put out by the noise she had made on coming in than glad to receive the news she had brought mrs lee took her hand and tried to speak but as she said she was almost choked with the palpitation at her heart you think it very silly in me dear to be so easily startled but it's not altogether silliness it is i'm so weak that every little noise gives me quite a fright i shall be better love please god when i come back from southport i'm so glad you've got the order for you've taken a great deal of pains about it mrs lee sighed don't you want to go asked bessie rather sadly you always seem so sorrowful and anxious when we talk about it it's partly my being ailing that makes me anxious i know said mrs lee but it seems as if so many things might happen while i was away bessie felt a little impatient young people in strong health can hardly understand the fears that beset invalids bessie was a kind-hearted girl but rather headstrong and just now a little disappointed she forgot that her mother had had to struggle hard with many cares ever since she had been left a widow and that her illness now had made her nervous what nonsense mother what can happen i can take care of the house and the little ones and tom and jem can take care of themselves what is to happen jenny may fall into the fire murmured mrs lee who found little comfort in being talked to in this way your father's watch may be stolen while you're in talking with the neighbours or now come mother you know i've had the charge of jenny ever since father died and you began to go out washing i'll lock father's watch up in the box in our room then tom and jem won't know at what time to go to the factory besides bessie said she raising herself up they are but young lads and there's a deal of temptation to take them away from their homes if their homes are not comfortable and pleasant to them it's that more than anything i've been fretting about all the time i've been ill that i've lost the power of making this house the cleanest and brightest place they know but it's no use fretting said she falling back weakly upon the bed and sighing i must leave it in god's hands he raiseth up and he bringeth low bessie stood silent for a minute or two then she said well mother i will try to make home comfortable for the lads if you'll but keep your mind easy and go off to southport quiet and cheerful i'll try said mrs lee taking hold of bessie's hand and looking up thankfully in her face 
The next Wednesday she set off, leaving home with a heavy heart, which, however, she struggled against, and tried to make more faithful, but she wished her three weeks at Southport were over. Tom and Jem were both older than Bessie, and she was fifteen. Then came Bill and Mary, and little Jenny. They were all good children, and all had faults. Tom and Jem helped to support the family by their earnings at the factory, and gave up their wages very cheerfully for this purpose, to their mother, who, however, insisted on a little being put by every week in the savings bank. It was one of her griefs now, that when the doctor ordered her some expensive delicacy in the way of diet during her illness, a thing which she persisted in thinking she could have done without, her boys had gone and taken their money out, in order to procure it for her. The article in question did not cost one quarter of the amount of their savings, but they had put off returning the remainder into the bank, saying that the doctor's bill had yet to be paid, and that it seemed so silly to be always taking money in and out. But meanwhile Mrs. Lee feared lest it should be spent, and begged them to restore it to the savings bank. This had not been done when she left for Southport. Bill and Mary went to school. Little Jenny was the darling of all, and toddled about at home, having been her sister Bessie's especial charge, when all went on well, and the mother used to go out to wash. Mrs. Lee, however, had always made a point of giving all her children who were at home a comfortable breakfast at seven, before she set out to her day's work, and she prepared the boys' dinner ready for Bessie to warm for them. At night, too, she was anxious to be home as soon after her boys as she could, and many of her employers respected her wish, and finding her hard-working and conscientious, took care to set her at liberty early in the evening. Bessie felt very proud and womanly when she returned home from seeing her mother off by the railway. She looked round the house with a new feeling of proprietorship, and then went to claim little Jenny from the neighbours, where she had been left while Bessie had gone to the station. They asked her to stay and have a bit of a chat, but she replied that she could not, for that it was near dinner-time and she refused the invitation that was then given her to go in some evening. She was full of good plans and resolutions. That afternoon she took Jenny, and went to her teacher's to borrow a book, which she meant to ask one of her brothers to read to her in the evenings while she worked. She knew that it was a book which Jem would like, for though she had never read it, one of her schoolfellows had told her it was all about the sea and desert islands and coconut trees, just the things that Jem liked to hear about. How happy they would all be this evening! She hurried Jenny off to bed before her brothers came home. Jenny did not like to go so early, and had to be bribed and coaxed to give up the pleasure of sitting on Brother Tom's knee. When she was in bed, she could not go to sleep, and kept up a little whimper of distress. Bessie kept calling out to her, now in gentle, now in sharp tones, as she made the hearth clean and bright against her brother's return as she settled Bill and Mary to their next day's lessons, and got her work ready for a happy evening. Presently the elder boys came in. "'Where's Jenny?' asked Tom, the first thing. "'I've put her to bed,' said Bessie. "'I've borrowed a book for you to read to me, while I darn the stockings, and it was time for Jenny to go.' "'Mother never puts her to bed so soon,' said Tom, dissatisfied. "'But she'd be so in the way of any quietness over our reading,' said Bessie. "'I don't want to read,' said Tom. "'I want Jenny to sit on me knee as she always does, while I eat me supper.' "'Tom! Tom! Dear Tom!' 
called out little jenny who had heard his voice and perhaps a little of the conversation tom made but two steps upstairs and reappeared with jenny in his arms in her night-clothes the little girl looked at bessie half triumphant and half afraid bessie did not speak but she was evidently very much displeased tom began to eat his porridge with jenny on his knee bessie sat in sullen silence she was vexed with tom vexed with jenny and vexed with jem to gratify whose taste for reading travels she had especially borrowed this book which he seemed to care so little about she brooded over her fancied wrongs ready to fall upon the first person who might give the slightest occasion for anger it happened to be poor little jenny who by some awkward movement knocked over the jug of milk and made a great splash on bessie's clean white floor never mind said tom as jenny began to cry i like me porridge as well without milk as with it oh never mind said bessie her colour rising and her breath growing shorter never mind dirtying anything jenny it's only giving trouble to bessie but i'll make you mind continued she as she caught a glance of intelligence peep from jem's eyes to tom and she slapped jenny's head the moment she had done it she was sorry for it she could have beaten herself now with the greatest pleasure for having given way to passion for she loved little jenny dearly and she saw that she really had hurt her but jem with his loud deep for shame bessie and tom with his excess of sympathy with his little sister's wrongs checked back any expression which bessie might have uttered of sorrow and regret she sat there ten times more unhappy than she had been before the accident hardening her heart to the reproaches of her conscience yet feeling most keenly that she had been acting wrongly no one seemed to notice her this was the evening she had planned and arranged for so busily and the others who never thought about it at all were all quiet and happy at least in outward appearance while she was so wretched by and by she felt the touch of a little soft hand stealing into her own she looked to see who it was it was mary who till now had been busy learning her lessons but uncomfortably conscious of the discordant spirit prevailing in the room and who had at last ventured up to bessie as the one who looked the most unhappy to express in her own little gentle way her sympathy and sorrow mary was not a quick child she was plain and awkward in her ways and did not seem to have many words in which to tell her feelings but she was very tender and loving and submitted meekly and humbly to the little slights and rebuffs she often met with for her stupidity dear bessie good-night said she kissing her sister and at the soft kiss bessie's eyes filled with tears and her heart began to melt jenny continued mary going to the little spoilt wilful girl will you come to bed with me and i'll tell you stories about school and sing you my songs as i undress come little one said she holding out her arms jenny was tempted by this speech and went off to bed in a more reasonable frame of mind than any one had dared to hope and now all seemed clear and open for the reading but each was too proud to propose it jem indeed seemed to have forgotten the book altogether he was so busy whittling away at a piece of wood at last tom by a strong effort said bessie mayn't we have the book now no said jem don't begin reading for i must go out and try and make ned bates give me a piece of ashwood deal is just good for nothing 
oh said bessie i don't want anyone to read this book who does not like it but i know mother would be better pleased if you were stopping at home quiet rather than rambling to ned bates's at this time of night i know what mother would like just as well as you and i'm not going to be preached to by a girl said jem taking up his cap and going out tom yawned and went up to bed bessie sat brooding over the evening so much as i thought and i planned i'm sure i tried to do what was right and make the boys happy at home and yet nothing has happened as i wanted it to do every one has been so cross and contrary tom would take jenny up when she ought to have been in bed jem did not care a straw for this book that i borrowed on purpose for him but sat laughing i saw though he did not think i did when all was going provoking and vexatious mary no mary was a help and a comfort as she always is i think though she is so stupid over a book mary always contrives to get people right and have her own way somehow and yet i'm sure she does not take half the trouble i do to please people jem came back soon disappointed because ned bates was out and could not give him any ashwood bessie said it served him right for going at that time of night and the brother and sister spoke angrily to each other all the way upstairs and parted without even saying good-night jenny was asleep when bessie entered the bedroom which she shared with her sisters and her mother but she saw mary's wakeful eyes looking at her as she came in oh mary said she i wish mother was back the lads would mind her and now i see they'll just go and get into mischief to spite and plague me i don't think it's for that said mary softly jem did want that ashwood i know for he told me in the morning he didn't think that deal would do he wants to make a wedge to keep the window from rattling so on windy nights you know how that fidgets mother the next day little mary on her way to school went round by ned bates's to beg a piece of wood for her brother jem she brought it home to him at dinner-time and asked him to be so good as to have everything ready for a quiet whittling at night while tom or bessie read aloud she told jenny she would make haste with her lessons so as to be ready to come to bed early and talk to her about school a grand wonderful place in jenny's eyes and thus mary quietly and gently prepared for a happy evening by attending to the kind of happiness for which every one wished while mary had thus been preparing for a happy evening bessie had been spending part of the afternoon at a mrs foster's a neighbour of her mother's and a very tidy industrious old widow mrs foster earned part of her livelihood by working for the shops where knitted work of all kinds is to be sold and bessie's attention was caught almost as soon as she went in by a very gay piece of wool knitting in a new stitch that was to be used as a warm covering for the feet after admiring its pretty looks bessie thought how useful it might be to her mother and when mrs foster heard this she offered to teach bessie how to do it but where were the wools to come from those which mrs foster used were provided her by the shop and she was a very poor woman too poor to make presents though rich enough as we all are to give help of many other kinds and willing to do what she could which some of us are not the two sat perplexed how much did you say it would cost said bessie at last as if the article was likely to have become cheaper since she asked the question before well it's sure to be more than two shillings if it's german wool you might get it for eighteen pence if you could be content with english 
but i've not got eighteen pence said bessie gloomily i could lend it you said mrs foster if i was sure of having it back before monday but it's part of me rent money could you make sure do you think oh yes said bessie eagerly at least i'd try but perhaps i'd better not take it for after all i don't know where i could get it what tom and jem earn is little enough for the house now that mother's washing is cut off they're good dutiful lads to give it to their mother said mrs foster sighing for she thought of her own boys that had left her in her old age to toil on with faded eyesight and weakened strength oh but mother makes them each keep a shilling out of it for themselves said bessie in a complaining tone for she wanted money was inclined to envy any one who possessed it that's right enough said mrs foster they that earn it should have some of the power over it but about this wool this eighteen pence i wish i was a boy and could earn money i wish mother would have let me go to work in the factory come now bessie i can have none of that nonsense thy mother knows what's best for thee and i'm not going to hear thee complain of what she has thought right but maybe i can help you to a way of gaining eighteen pence mrs scott at the worsted shop told me that she should want someone to clean on a saturday now you're a good strong girl and can do a woman's work if you've a mind shall i say you'll go and then i don't mind if i lend you my eighteen pence you'll pay me before i want me rent on monday oh thank you dear mrs foster said bessie i can scour as well as any woman mother often says so and i'll do me best on saturday they shan't blame you for having spoken up for me no bessie they won't i'm sure if you do your best you're a good sharp girl for your years bessie lingered for some time hoping that mrs foster would remember her offer of lending her the money but finding that she had quite forgotten it she ventured to remind the kind old woman that it was nothing but forgetfulness was evident from the haste with which mrs foster bustled up to a teapot and took from it the money required you're as welcome to it as can be bessie as long as i'm sure of its being repaid by monday but you're in a mighty hurry about this coverlet continued she as she saw bessie put on her bonnet and prepare to go out stay you must take patterns and go to the right shop in st mary's gate why your mother won't be back this three weeks child no but i can't abide waiting and i want to set to it before it is dark and you'll teach me the stitch won't you when i come back with the wools i won't be half an hour away but mary and bill had to abide waiting that afternoon for though the neighbour at whose house the key was left could let them into the house there was no supper ready for them on their return from school and jenny was away spending the afternoon with a playfellow the fire was nearly out the milk had been left at a neighbour's altogether home was very comfortless to the poor tired children and bill grumbled terribly mary's head ached and the very tones of her brother's voice as he complained gave her pain and for a minute she felt inclined to sit down and cry but then she thought of many little sayings which she had heard from her teacher such as never complain of what you can cure bear and forbear and several other short sentences of a similar description so she began to make up the fire and asked bill to fetch some chips and when he gave her the gruff answer that he did not see any use in making a fire when there was nothing to cook by it she went herself and brought the wood without a word of complaint presently bill said here you lend me those bellows you're not blowing it in the right way 
girls never do he found out that mary was wise in making a bright fire ready for before the blowing was ended the neighbour with whom the milk had been left brought it in and little handy mary prepared the porridge as well as the mother herself could have done they'd just ended when bessie came in almost breathless for she had suddenly remembered in the middle of a knitting lesson that bill and mary must be at home from school oh she said that's right i've so hurried myself i was afraid the fire would be out where's jenny you were to have called for her you know as you came home from school dear how stupid you are mary i'm sure i told you over and over again now don't cry silly child the best thing you can do is run off back again for her but me lessons bessie they're so bad to learn it's tables day to-morrow pleaded mary nonsense tables are as easy as can be i can say up to sixteen times sixteen in no time but you know bessie i'm very stupid and me head aches so to-night well the air will do it good really mary i will go myself only i'm so busy and you know billy's too careless mother says to fetch jenny through the streets and besides they would quarrel and you can always manage jenny mary sighed and went away to bring her sister home bessie sat down to her knitting presently bill came up to her with some question about his lesson she told him the answer without looking at the book it was all wrong and made nonsense but bill did not care to understand what he learnt and went on saying twelve inches make one shilling as contentedly as if it were right mary brought jenny home quite safely indeed mary always did succeed in everything except learning her lessons well and sometimes if the teacher could have known how many tasks fell upon the willing gentle girl at home she would not have thought that poor mary was slow or a dunce and such thoughts would come into the teacher's mind sometimes although she fully appreciated mary's sweetness and humility of disposition to-night she tried harder to tables and all to no use her head ached so she could not remember them do what she would she longed to go to her mother whose cool hands around her forehead always seemed to do her so much good and whose soft loving words were such a help to her when she had to bear pain she had arranged so many plans for to-night and now all were deranged by bessie's new fancy for knitting but mary did not see this in the plain clear light in which i have put it before you she only was sorry that she could not make haste with her lessons as she had promised jenny who was now upbraiding her with the non-fulfilment of her words jenny was still up when tom and jem came in they spoke sharply to bessie for not having their porridge ready and while she was defending herself mary even at the risk of imperfect lessons began to prepare the supper for her brothers she did it all so quietly that almost before they were aware it was ready for them and bessie suddenly ashamed of herself and touched by mary's quiet helpfulness bent down and kissed her as once more she settled to the never-ending difficulty of her lesson mary threw her arms around bessie's neck and began to cry for this little mark of affection went to her heart she had been so longing for a word or a sign of love in her suffering come molly said jem don't cry like a baby but he spoke very kindly what's the matter the old headache come back never mind go to bed and it will be better in the morning but i can't go to bed i don't know me lesson mary looked happier though the tears were in her eyes i know mine 
said Bill triumphantly. Come here, said Jem. There, have time enough to whittle away at this before mother comes back. Now, let's see this difficult lesson. Jem's help soon enabled Mary to conquer her lesson, but meanwhile Jenny and Bill had taken to quarrelling in spite of Bessie's scolding, administered in small sharp doses, as she looked up from her all-absorbing knitting. Well, said Tom, with this right on one side, and this dull lesson on the other, and Bessie as cross as can be in the midst, I can understand what makes a man go out to spend his evenings from home. Bessie looked up, suddenly wakened up to a sense of the danger which her mother had dreaded. Bessie thought that it was very fortunate that it fell on a Saturday, of all days in the week, that Mrs. Scott wanted her, for Mary would be at home, who could attend to the household wants of everybody, and so she satisfied her conscience at leaving the post of duty that her mother had assigned to her, and that she had promised to fulfil. She was so eager about her own plans that she did not consider this. She did not consider at all, or else I think she would have seen many things to which she seemed to be blind now. When were Mary's lessons for Monday to be learnt? Bessie knew as well as we do that lesson-learning was hard work to Mary. If Mary worked as hard as she could after morning school, she could hardly get the house cleaned up bright and comfortable before her brothers came home from the factory, which loosed early on the Saturday afternoon. And if pails of water, chairs heaped up one on the other, and tables put topsy-turvy on the dresser, were the most prominent objects in the house-place, there would be no temptation for the lads to stay at home. Besides which, Mary, tired and weary, however gentle she might be, would not be able to give the life to the evening that Bessie, a clever, spirited girl near their own age, could easily do, if she chose to be interested and sympathising in what they had to tell. But Bessie did not think of all this. What she did think about was the pleasant surprise she should give her mother by the warm and pretty covering for her feet, which she hoped to present her with on her return home, and if she had done the duties she was pledged to on her mother's departure first, if they had been compatible with her plan of being a whole day absent from home in order to earn the money for the wools, the project of the surprise would have been innocent and praiseworthy. Bessie prepared everything for dinner before she left home that Saturday morning. She made a potato pie, all ready for putting in the oven. She was very particular in telling Mary what was to be cleaned, and how it was all to be cleaned. And then she kissed the children, and ran off to Mrs. Scott's. Mary was rather afraid of the responsibility thrust upon her, but still she was pleased that Bessie could trust her to do so much. She took Jenny to the ever-useful neighbour as she and Bill went to school, but she was rather frightened when Mrs. Jones began to grumble about these frequent visits of the child. I was ready enough to take care of the wench when their mother was ill, and there was reason for that, and the child is a nice child enough when she's not cross, but still, there are some folks, it seems, who, if you give em an inch, will take an ell. Where's Bessie that she can't mind her own sister? Gone out charring, said Mary clasping the little hand in hers tighter, for she was afraid of Mrs. Jones's anger. "'I could go out charring every day in the week if I'd the face to trouble other folks with my children,' said Mrs. Jones in a surly tone. "'Shall I take her back, ma'am?' said Mary, timidly, though she knew this would involve her staying away from school and being blamed by the dear teacher. 
but mrs jones growled worse than she bit this time at least no said she you may leave her with me i suppose she's had a breakfast yes and i'll fetch her away as soon as ever i can after twelve if mary had been one to consider the hardships of her little lot she might have felt this morning's occurrence as one that she who dreaded giving trouble to anybody and was painfully averse from asking any little favour for herself should be the very one on whom it fell to presume upon another person's kindness but mary never did think of any hardships they seemed the natural events of life and if it was fitting and proper that she who managed things badly and was such a dunce should be blamed still she was rather flurried by mrs jones's scolding and almost wished that she had taken jenny home again her lessons were not well said owing to the distraction of her mind when she went for jenny she found that mrs jones repenting of her sharp words had given the little girl bread and treacle and made her very comfortable so much so that jenny was not at all at once ready to leave her little playmates and when once she had set out on the road she was in no humour to make haste mary thought of the potato pie and her brothers and could almost have cried as jenny heedless of her sister's entreaties would linger at the picture shops i shall be obliged to go and leave you jenny i must get dinner ready i don't care said jenny i don't want any dinner and i can come home quite well by myself mary half longed to give her a fright it was so provoking but she thought of her mother who was so anxious always about jenny and she did not do it she kept patiently trying to attract her onwards and at last they were home mary stirred up the fire which was to all appearance quite black it blazed up but the oven was cold she put the pie in and blew the fire but the paste was quite white and soft when her brothers came home eager and hungry oh mary what a manager you are said tom anyone else would have remembered and put the pie in in time mary's eyes filled full of tears but she did not try to justify herself she went on blowing till jem took the bellows and kindly told her to take off her bonnet and lay the cloth jem was always kind he gave tom the best baked side of the pie and quietly took the side himself where the paste was little better than dough and the potatoes quite hard and when he caught mary's little anxious face watching him as he had to leave part of his dinner untasted he said mary i should like this pie warmed up for supper there's nothing so good as potato pie made hot the second time tom went off saying mary i would not have you for a wife on any account why my dinner would never be ready and your sad face would take away my appetite if it were but jem kissed her and said never mind mary you and i will live together old maid and old bachelor so she could set to with spirit to her cleaning thinking there was never such a good brother as jem and as she dwelt upon his perfections she thought who it was who had given her such a good kind brother and felt her heart full of gratitude to him she scoured and cleaned in right down earnest jenny helped her for some time delighted to be allowed to touch and lift things but then she grew tired and bill was out of doors so mary had to do all by herself and grew very nervous and frightened lest all should not be finished and tidy against tom came home and the more frightened she grew the worse she got on 
her hands trembled and things slipped out of them and she shook so she could not lift heavy pieces of furniture quickly and sharply and in the middle the clock struck the hour for her brother's return when all ought to have been tidy and ready for tea she gave it up in despair and began to cry oh bessie bessie why did you go away i've tried hard and i cannot do it she said aloud as if bessie could hear dear mary don't cry said jenny suddenly coming away from her play i'll help you i'm very strong i can do anything i can lift that pan off the fire pan was full of boiling water ready for mary jenny took hold of the handle and dragged it along the bar over the fire mary sprung forwards in terror to stop the little girl she never knew how it was but the next moment her arm and side were full of burning pain which turned her sick and dizzy and jenny was crying passionately beside her oh mary 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 my hand is so scalded what shall i do i cannot bear it it's all about my feet on the ground she kept shaking her hand to cool it by the action of the air mary thought that she herself was dying so acute and terrible was the pain she could hardly keep from screaming out aloud but she felt that if she once began she could not stop herself so she sat still moaning and the tears running down her face like rain go jenny said she and tell someone to come i can't i can't my hand hurts so said jenny but she flew wildly out of the house the next minute crying out mary's dead come 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 for mary could bear it no longer but had fainted away and looked indeed like one that was dead neighbours flocked in and one ran for a doctor in five minutes tom and jem came home what a home it seems people they hardly knew standing in the house-place which looked as if it had never been cleaned all was so wet and in such disorder and dirty with the trampling of many feet jenny still crying passionately but half comforted at being at present the only authority as to how the affair happened and faint moans from the room upstairs where some women were cutting the clothes off poor mary preparatory for the doctor's inspection jem said directly someone go straight to mrs scott's and fetch our bessie her place is here with mary and then he civilly but quietly dismissed all the unnecessary useless people feeling sure that in case of any illness quiet was the best thing then he went upstairs mary's face was scarlet now with violent pain but she smiled a little through her tears at seeing jem as for him he cried outright i don't think it was anybody's fault jem said she softly it was very heavy to lift are you in great pain dear asked jem in a whisper i think i'm killed jem i do think i am and i did so want to see mother again nonsense said the woman who had been helping mary for as she said afterwards whether mary died or lived crying was a bad thing for her and she saw the girl was ready to cry when she thought of her mother though she had borne up bravely all the time the clothes were cut off bessie's face which had been red with hard running faded to a dead white when she saw mary she looked so shocked and ill that jem had not the heart to blame her although the minute before she came in he had been feeling very angry with her bessie stood quite still at the foot of mary's bed never speaking a word 
while the doctor examined her side and felt her pulse only great round tears gathered in her eyes and rolled down her cheeks as she saw mary quiver with pain jem followed the doctor downstairs then bessie went and knelt beside mary and wiped away the tears that were trickling down the little face is it very bad mary asked bessie oh yes yes if i speak i shall scream then bessie covered her head in the bedclothes and cried outright i was not cross was i i didn't mean to be but i hardly know what i'm saying moaned out little mary please forgive me bessie if i was cross god forgive me said bessie very low they were the first words she had spoken since she came home but there could be no talking between the sisters for now the woman returned who had at first been assisting mary presently jem came to the door and beckoned bessie rose up and went with him below jem looked very grave yet not so sad as he had done before the doctor came he says she must go into the infirmary he will see about getting her in oh jem i did so want to nurse her myself said bessie imploringly it was all my own fault she choked with crying and i thought i might do that for her to make up my dear bessie before he had seen bessie he had thought he could never call her dear again but now he began my dear bessie we both want mary to get better don't we i'm sure we do and we want to take the best way of making her so whatever that is well then i think we must not be considering what we should like best just for ourselves but what people who know as well as doctors do say is the right way i can't remember all that he said but i'm clear that he told me all wounds on the skin required more and better air to heal in than mary could have here and there the doctor will see her twice a day if need be bessie shook her head but could not speak at first at last she said jem i did so want to do something for her no one could nurse her as i should jem was silent at last he took bessie's hand for he wanted to say something to her that he was afraid might vex her and yet that he thought he ought to say bessie said he when mother went away you planned to do all things right at home and to make us all happy i know you did now may i tell you how i think you went wrong don't be angry bessie i think i shall never have spirit enough in me to be angry again said bessie humbly and sadly so much the better dear but don't over fret about mary the doctor has good hopes of her if he can get her into the infirmary now i'm going on to tell you how i think you got wrong after mother left you see bessie you wanted to make us all happy your way as you liked just as you are wanting now to nurse mary in your way and as you like now as far as i can make out those folks who make home the happiest are people who try and find out how others think they could be happy and then if he's not wrong help them on with their wishes as far as they can you know you wanted us all to listen to your book and very kind it was in you to think of it only you see one wanted to whittle and another wanted to do this or that and then you were vexed with us all i don't say but what i should have been if i had been in your place and planned such a deal for others only lookers-on always see a deal and i saw that if you'd done what poor little mary did next day we should all have been far happier she thought how she could forward us in our plans 
instead of trying to force a plan of her own on us. She got me my right sort of wood for whittling, and arranged all nicely to get the little ones off to bed, so as to get the house quiet, if you wanted some reading, as she thought you did. And that's the way, I notice, some folks have of making a happy home. Others may mean just as well, but they don't hit the thing. I dare say it's true, said Bessie, but sometimes you all hang about as if you did not know what to do, and I thought reading travels would just please you all. Jem was touched by Bessie's humble way of speaking, so different from her usual cheerful self-confident manner. He answered, I know you did, dear, and many a time we should have been glad enough of it, when we had nothing to do, as you say. I'd promised mother to try and make you all happy, and this is the end of it, said Bessie beginning to cry afresh but bessie i think you were not thinking of your promise when you fixed to go out and char i thought of earning money earning money would not make us happy we have enough with care and management if you were to have made us happy you should have been at home with a bright face ready to welcome us don't you think so dear bessie i did not want the money for home i wanted to make mother a present of such a pretty thing poor mother i'm afraid we must send for her home now and she's only been three days at southport oh said bessie startled by this notion of jem's don't don't send for mother the doctor did say so much about her going to southport being the only thing for her and i did so try to get her an order it will kill her jem indeed it will you don't know how weak and frightened she is oh jem 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 felt the truth of what his sister was saying. At last he resolved to leave the matter for the doctor to decide, as he had attended his mother, and now knew exactly how much danger there was about Mary. He proposed to Bessie that they should go and relieve the kind neighbour who had charge of Mary. "'But you won't send for mother,' pleaded Bessie. "'If it's the best thing for Mary, I'll wash up her things to-night, all ready for her to go into the infirmary. I won't think of myself, Jem.' "'Well, I must speak to the doctor,' said Jem. "'I must not try and fix, anyway, just because we wish it, but because it is right.' All night long Bessie washed and ironed, and yet was always ready to attend to Mary when Jem called her. She took Jenny's scalded hand in charge as well, and bathed it with the lotion the doctor sent, and all was done so meekly and patiently that even Tom was struck with it, and admired the change. The doctor came very early. He had prepared everything for Mary's admission into the infirmary, and Jem consulted him about sending for his mother home. Bessie sat trembling, awaiting his answer. "'I'm very unwilling to sanction any concealment, and yet, as you say, your mother is in a very delicate state. It might do a serious harm if she had any shock. Well, suppose for this once I take it on myself.' If Mary goes on as I hope, why, well, well, we'll see. Mind that your mother is told all when she comes home, and if our poor Mary grows worse, but I'm not afraid of that with infirmary care and nursing. But if she does, I'll write to your mother myself, and arrange with a kind friend I have at Southport all about sending her home. And now, said he, turning suddenly to Bessie, tell me what were you doing from home when this happened? Did not your mother leave you in charge of all at home? Yes, sir, said Bessie, trembling. But, sir, I thought I could earn money to make mother a present. Thought, fiddle-dee-dee. I'll tell you what. 
never you neglect the work clearly laid out for you by either god or man to go making work for yourself according to your own fancies god knows what you are most fit for do that and then wait if you don't see your next duty clearly you will not long be idle in this world if you are ready for a summons now let me see that you send mary all clean and tidy to the infirmary jem was holding bessie's hand she's washed everything and made it fit for a queen our bessie worked all night long and was content to let me be with mary where she wished so to be because i could lift her better being the stronger that's right even when you want to be of service to others don't think how to please yourself i have not much more to tell you about bessie this sad accident of mary's did her a great deal of good although it cost her so much sorrow at first it taught her several lessons which it is good for every woman to learn whether she is called upon as daughter sister wife or mother to contribute to the happiness of a home and mary herself was hardly more thoughtful and careful to make others happy in their own way provided that way was innocent than was bessie hereafter it was a struggle between her and mary which could be the least selfish and do the duties nearest to them with most faithfulness and zeal the mother stayed at southport her full time and came home well and strong then bessie put her arms round her mother's neck and told her all and far more severely against herself than either the doctor or jem did when they related the same story afterwards end of bessie's troubles at home by elizabeth gaskell